0: What inspires me normally is if I can learn new things. Um, And if I stay at one place or one line of work too long, um, then I feel that I'm absorbing less, I am learning less and I'm not as inspired. Um, So the the transitions that have happened within my career, um, they all, almost 100% driven by the need to really move to a different area where I can
1: learn more. From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of Infosec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. I'm Caroline Wong, and I am joined here today by my good friend and colleague, Chenzi Wang, Dr. Wang is a founder and general partner of Rain Capital, and she serves on the board of directors for MDU. Chenzi is a longtime thought leader, executive, and women in tech advocate. Uh, some of her previous roles include VP of Research at Forrester, Carnegie Mellon Professor, OWASP Foundation Board of Directors, um, and I think that really just scratches the surface of. Chenzi's qualifications and her experience. Chenzi, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for
1: having me. I am particularly excited about this episode for many reasons. Reason number one, I have hoped and dreamed about getting you on this podcast for years now. And secondly, <laughs> We have known each other for years, and I feel like there's a lot about you, and I also know that there's a ton that I don't know about you. Um, I find that when I interview friends of mine on the podcast, I always learn things that I did not know before, and so I am so looking forward to getting to know you better and also really appreciate you sharing your story uh, with me and with our listeners.
0: Great. Um, Yes, we've known each other for a long time, right? And um, um, it's, we've done a few things together, and it's fun to do a podcast.
1: Yes, I love it. Um, Chenzi, as I understand it, you are currently based in the San Francisco Bay Area. You did not always live here. Uh, And in fact, you did not always live in the United States. My understanding is that you grew up in Suzhou, China. And I would love to understand who is Dr. Chenzi Wang as a young girl? (laughs) Um, Well, that's a long time ago.
0: Um, yes, you're right. I grew up in Suzhou, China, which is a, a, a um, by ch- Chinese standards, a, a small city, um, but with millions of people. <laughs> um, it's a, a city that's about an hour outside of Shanghai, um, so that's my hometown, and, and I went to school there, grew up there. Um, what can I tell you about Chansey as a little girl? Um, I was very rambunctious, I would say, um, arrogant. Um, I was um, uh, encouraged to explore anything I, I liked uh, when I was little. I have to say one thing my parents did well was they they never put, a, a, put me in a box. Um, they always told me that I could do whatever I set my mind to it. Um, And um, I think that has made a difference in my life. Um, I was um, always uh, very academically curious, Um, did well in school. Uh, In fact, it was always uh, almost always first in class throughout my um, elementary and junior high and high school. Um, And then um, uh, decided that I wanted to come to the U.S. and explore um, college and and uh, postgraduate studies. Um, so that's how I came to this country.
1: That is so interesting. You know, I'm curious to know, as a young woman in China, what is your what was your expectation of life and work in the U.S., and how did that compare to your experience?
0: Mm, uh, So, you're asking me a lot of questions that I haven't thought about in years, to be honest, but it's kind of interesting to look back. Um, So, I... um, I came from Suzhou, as I said, but I actually spent a few years in Shanghai before I came to the US and as you probably can imagine. Shanghai at that time was 16 million residents now is almost pushing maybe 20 million people in the uh, Shanghai uh, metropolitan area Um, and I got a scholarship to attend a small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania. Um, It's a very nice Uh, University in a small town, it's called Lock Haven University. And uh, you can imagine someone who came from Shanghai to a small town in Pennsylvania. I had probably one of the biggest culture shock in my life. Um, I remember my, my nice host family walked me down the center of Lock Haven downtown, which is one block long. And they say hey that's downtown and i was like where <laughs> um, <laughs> um so it so it it took me a while to get used to how um you know it's it's a sparsely populated um uh, place even uh, only a few cities I would say in the US is on par with the scale and population density of the cities in China. Um, so that took a bit getting used to. Um, but there are other things which was quite interesting. And I will would, would preface saying that I grew up in China in a, a period of time, I would say, um, you know, men and women were fairly equal. Um, it's not the case today, it's weird. Um, but uh, at that time, you know, mothers and fathers always have to go out the house and work because you just can't support a family if you didn't have uh, both incomes. Um, and when I was growing up, I didn't see any difference between what a man can do and what a woman can do, at least not from my very, very shallow point of view um, as a little girl. So I, I, and again, my parents never put me in in any sort of box. So I was um, uh, groomed, I guess, to believe I can do whatever I, uh, I, I aspire to and has the capability to achieve. And when I came to the US, um, I think other than, you know, the scale of cities and things like that, I thought it was really interesting that I saw a lot of women who are stay-at-home moms uh, who choose to not pursue their careers but to raise a family, um, and to me was another cultural shock. Uh, I was like, "Really, you want to do that?" Um, and because I wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't something I'm used to. Um, I I've since grown to have more empathy uh, towards that, um, but I would say that's another difference that was very stark. Um, from my experience as, as, as a person growing up to China, growing up in China and came to the US. Um, so, and and since my, you know, many years of uh, living in the US and working in the US, my, my viewpoints have changed quite a bit. Um, but I think my experience growing up in China and, my education there has given me a slightly different perspective to life, on life, I guess. Um, uh, so that may factor into how I am as a as a person, as a professional today.
1: <laughs> I think it's phenomenal. I think that I can relate to, like perhaps every child the environment that I grew up in, and in particular, the example that my parents set for me and what they told me about myself um, and how that influences the way that I see myself. Um, and so I think that's just phenomenal. Um, I think that I, I, I believe that, that any child with the support of parents and an environment uh, has an opportunity to do so many things. Um, and certainly it sounds to me like you you grew up in an environment where there were many, many options ahead of you. Chenzi, you, uh, you ended up pursuing a PhD and being a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. I'm curious to know what that was like for you and also why you decided... After six years to transition to industry.
0: Well, that's a um, a good que- good question. Um, when I was in grad school pursuing my PhD, um, and I was surrounded by folks who are all very academically minded individuals. Um, what that means is um, the uh, mindset. Um, was that an academic career was better than than other careers, at least at that time. And um, so we were all sort of somewhat brainwashed, (laughs) I guess, um, after after the PhD to pursue a, um, a career in higher education. Um, so I did that, and I um, I was I actually had offers both from the industry and also from academia, including uh, Carnegie Mellon University. And um, certainly, I was not going to turn down a, an offer from Carnegie Mellon because it's one of the best computer science schools in the country. Um, so I went there, and and. Um, I did six years, as you said, as a a faculty member uh, in Carnegie Mellon and uh, I did different things where we started. During my time there, we started the Cybersecurity Center and I was one of the founding faculty members and we started a new cybersecurity uh, curriculum. Um, they were all very uh, interesting things and and I was doing research and and writing a lot of government grants at the time. Um, but what was interesting to me is uh, while while I enjoyed a fundamental research, I enjoyed working with students um, tremendously. Um, I didn't like the fact that my research had, I would say minimal impact on the industry. Uh, it was really uh, more about how many papers you can publish a year and in what, you know, conferences and journals, um, which were you know, kind of interesting metrics. But to me, it didn't result in anything that was um, was a, a real impact. So I became sort of unsatisfied after um, some time. And as you know, Leaving a place like that is not something you take it lightly. You know, It took me quite a few years to really came to the conclusion that it's better suited, I think, for industry. Um, And so I um, actually took a leave of absence and came to the Silicon Valley and did a startup with a few friends of mine. Um, And it was a a, at that time was um, actually very um, forward looking company was a a company trying to make services out of security technology Um, was not quite cloud services, but was hosted services Um, and turns out we were a little too early for the market. Um, I was um, was it 2006. Um, And then after that, um, I decided not to return to academia, but rather took a position at Forrester Research um, and applying my uh, research mindset to um, the actual market and products and technologies, things that were a little bit more um, uh, real, I guess, to or, or have real impact than some of the academic research that I was working on. So that's a long-winded answer to <laughs> to your question. Um, I enjoyed my days, my years uh, in academia, because that actually led me to believe um, that I was best suited, better suited for industry. And now I don't look back and thinking, oh, what happened if I had gone to uh, university? Yeah.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us. You know, one of the things that I know definitively about you, Chenzi, is that you like to get things done and you like to make an impact. So hearing about sort of your experience and your transition, uh, it just, it lines up perfectly uh, with what I personally know about you. You know, next at Forrester, so you, you happen to be at Forrester when I met you. Um, I don't remember the specific time or event when you and I met, but I think we met at an executive women's forum, executive women's forum conference. Um, and so for years, I thought to myself, Oh, Chenzi, like she's the Forrester vice president, you know, that's like, you know, I think sometimes you meet a person and, and you associate so much of their identity with their job. And so, and so I, I thought of you as that, and I'm actually curious to know, similar question, what was it like for you at Forrester? And, and what was around your decision to then move on from research uh, and pursue uh, over the next several years, a few sort of in-house, uh, what I would call uh, practitioner roles?
0: Yes, um, forestry was very interesting. Um, I would say is of all the the roles and jobs in industry, that's probably one that is closest to to um, academic job um, because it's it's a lot more um, about intellectual pursuit. It's a lot more about um, an analytical mindset, and you can set your own agenda, your own research direction. Uh, within the framework of uh, of the um, the firm that is um, i enjoyed it tremendously um and and that was the time i think i s- transitioned from sort of a more academic mindset to more of a um, a practical or practitioners mindset uh look at technology with the with the the lens of how do I apply this to solve a real problem that is in uh, an enterprise or facing a set of users, um, something like that, um, and and that's a very different mindset than than saying, hey, how do I change an algorithm so that it, it runs um, x times faster or runs magnitudes faster or has a, a a really better performance in a way that will really change the um, the communication protocols and whatnot. Um, it's a different uh, lens, but it's equally, I would say, important and impactful. If it if it's not more, um, so I also um, really appreciated the um, the research mindset that I developed. Uh, during my forester times and the network that I developed. And I would say that network is the foundation of my work today, um, which I leverage on heavily uh, to draw inspirations and um, and insight from and, and you are part of my network, right. And, and we, um, you know, you and I are um, both in Forte group, which which I helped to start. Um, uh, last year, we can touch upon that a little bit later. So, um, yeah, I guess um, Forrester was the one that um, um, I associate my industry learning um, of the the computer uh, information security industry. Um, That's that's my sort of
1: introduction to, to the industry job. That is so cool. That makes a lot of sense. I think now is actually a great time for us to talk about Forte Group. Chenzi, what is Forte Group, and what's your vision for this group?
0: So, as as you will learn um, from me, sometimes that I um, I start things, and sometimes it's completely opportunistic. Um, not necessarily something that I've thought very deeply about, and Forte is uh, an example of that. Um, last year, as we all know, we um, uh, everybody's lives were turned upside down. Um, the pandemic was, um, uh, you know, everywhere, and we were all locked down. And I was feeling that I needed a little bit more. Um, social interaction. So I reached out to a few friends of mine, including you, and and we said, hey, um, let's do a social group. And and it started as, um, you know, we got together every other Friday and then just to to, uh, have an interactive discussion session about anything that came to our minds. And then it morphed into really more of a professional networking group uh, where we have committees, we have initiatives we're working on, and uh, we have, I think it's like 60, 70 uh, women cybersecurity privacy leaders uh, in the industry now. Um, lots of senior women who brought different perspectives and experiences to the group. Um, we have um, Every other Friday, we either bring a speaker to discuss something of interest, or we have a social or networking session where we meet each other and discuss, uh, you know, what's going on in our professional lives. Um, I really treasure the time that that we have with Forte. Um, it's a place. It's a safe place for us to share what's going on, uh, to get. Comments and feedbacks uh, to also get support. Um, And um, I I feel very fortunate to be part of it and and to help start it.
1: I love Forte. I think that for me, it is one of the best things that happened as a result of the pandemic. Um, I think that, you know, pre pandemic, uh, maybe there would be local groups of people getting together opportunistically. Um, but for myself, having moved out of the San Francisco Bay Area a couple of years ago, to be a participant in the group, um, it, it really has been one of my the best things for me that's come out of the pandemic. Um, Chenzi, uh, there's another major transition that I've observed you Uh, go through in your career, which is uh, sort of these practitioner roles, you know, very senior executive roles at companies like Intel and CypherCloud and Twistlock, and then kind of transitioning to really focus on investment and advisory. Uh, And I'd love to hear from you what that's been like and how you uh, have navigated that journey.
0: Yes, um, so if you look at um, what I have done in my life, in my in my career, um, you could say that she really doesn't know what she wants to do when she grows up because <laughs> she's trying different things and, and you could say that, um, but I think um, what inspires me normally is if I can learn new things Um, And if I stay at one place or one line of work too long, um, then I feel that I'm absorbing less, I am learning less and I'm not as inspired. Um, So the, um, the transitions that have happened within my career, um, they all almost 100% driven by the need to really move to a different area where I can learn more. Right. So for instance, when from Forrester research to to Intel um, was I feel that I wanted that practitioner's perspective Um, when I moved from a um, uh, more of a research or service provider to in-house, you really take on a different mindset about how you take a product, a set of technology to market as opposed to analyze how the market is. Um, And having both these point of view, I think make you a much better uh, technologist, more well-rounded as well as you have empathy now for uh, folks who are uh, trying to push a product out, trying to develop a product versus someone who may spend his or her life on the analysis side who didn't know the challenges, struggles uh, that folks have to go through to take a product out. Um, so I appreciate having these different viewpoints. Um, and transitioning from operators, um, you know, in Intel, Cypher and Trust Lock, to to um, uh, investment, again, is um, I looked at what I have done uh, in my career, and I said one of the things I haven't done a lot uh, is investment and I was interested in it, I was doing a little bit of angel investment on the side uh, and I wanted to really get to um, uh, deeper into that area. Um, So I started exploring different opportunities and ended up uh, um, uh, establishing Rain Capital, which is my own fund. Um, And that has been a tremendous uh, learning uh, journey for me and, and not only very rewarding, uh, somewhat challenging, but I feel like every day I'm getting up and there's new things waiting for me, which which i I am extremely grateful that I'm able to have this um, um, this I, role, I guess, that that gives me that inspiration every day.
1: That is incredible. We as an industry, I think, have been so impacted. By your work. And I think it's amazing that you can now dedicate more of your time and focus to the investment piece of the puzzle. Um, Chenzi, as an investor, um, I expect that you are, you really have this perspective today on the very cutting edge of what's happening. Um, And I'm curious to know if you have any predictions that you'd like to share with our group in terms of what you think we can expect from the industry uh in the future
0: um yeah so <laughs> um you know you and I have all been in the industry for a long time right we've seen many different uh products and technology come and go uh we see the different trends um, I think security industry, for better or for worse, we've been for many years um, as an ad hoc industry in the sense that uh, we have technologies that are hot for a year and then maybe not hot the next year, um, and and we have trends that everybody uh, um, you know rush to deploy and then maybe you know, ransomware this year and privacy next year, um, but we haven't had a very, uh, a sort of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, maybe strategic or more consistent uh, growth period, uh, which I'm hoping that industry will enter the the next few years with um um, you know, with the the disruption that caused by COVID, as well as, um, you know, we're looking at going forward, there'll be potentially more conflict internationally. Um, and we may be looking at more sophisticated cyber threats. And, and we all have to, I think, grow up from the firefighting mindset to really looking at um, cybersecurity maturity as a whole, as an industry, or as as a a company's strategy vision to say, strategic vision to say, hey, what is the most important thing for us to be working on right now, for the next six months, for the next 12 months, so that uh, in two years we'll be much better off than today, we'll be visibly and measurably better off not just, you know, this month I'm working on this threat, next month I'm working on next threat, but two years later, I'm no better off than I am now. Um, I think there's always going to be the little bit of firefighting things going on, but I'm hoping that would be like 20-25% of the time, but 75% of the time we would be working on consistent Um, strategic initiatives that will raise our cyber posture and maturity uh, visibly and measurably. And and that's what I'm hoping will happen.
1: Incredible. I, um, I like that vision very much. uh, And I, I remain optimistic uh, that we will continue to progress uh, toward that goal. Chenzi, what's next for you? What's next for me? (laughs) Um,
0: So I am enjoying what I do today. Um, I was just telling my my husband um, a few weeks ago that um, we were we were talking about how um, you know our son is uh, approaching teenager years and um, our life's very different these days than when he was younger, Um, and we were just reminiscing on you know what what's what's gonna be like for us as a family and uh, as our careers uh, transition. And I was saying that I really enjoy what I do today and I hope to do more. Um, and I think I will, um, and again, um, as long as I'm learning, right, I'm I'm enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. Um, and one of the things that I got into in the recent number of years, as you uh, know very well, uh, Caroline, is, um, I started taking on board opportunities, um, uh, board governance roles, uh, which is again, very different from a practitioner's um, point of view. Uh, it is really about governance. It's it's about guiding a company rather than executing. Um, I, again, I enjoy that uh, a tremendous amount. I'm learning a lot uh, from um, um my board work and learning how to be a good um, uh, governance person and and how to uh, really guide um, management rather than, you know, doing things myself. Um, And I find that very inspirational uh, at this stage of my career. So I might do a little bit more um, along those lines
1: as well. Incredible. Well, I am so happy to know you. I'm so happy uh, to be able to speak with you today. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your story uh, with me uh, and with our listeners.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, I see you quite often, right? And it's kind of uh, fun for us to have this, this time to talk about our careers and journeys. So I, I, maybe next time I can interview you in, in some other capacity.
1: That would be amazing. That would be so fun. Um, I look forward to it. Chenzi, thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Humans of Enfasec is brought to you by Cobalt, a pentest as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening.